When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. Terrific show tonight for you. We're going to review the defense from the AFC wildcard game against the Titans. Joining us is Sarah Ellison. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. This is, man, if this is a game I wanted to review for defense, I mean, this is it. They put on a clinic. It was it was quite a show. It was a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, in, in a way... Uh, you know, we went to the game and, and you didn't realize how good it was going because the game was still so close, which is unusual. Right. You know, Titans only score 20 against the Titans. You wouldn't think they'd probably win the game. Uh, they missed a field goal. You know, we heard all these things leaving Nashville on the radio, too. Is like if if we told you that the Ravens only scored 20 and Tucker missed a field goal and all these other things happened that that uh, the Titans would still lose. Boy, you said we were crazy. But it was it was that kind of day. And the Ravens certainly put it together with what I think is probably their best defensive outing of the year. Well, it's funny because John Harbaugh, of course, in the moment, said it might be one of the best defensive games ever. <laughs> and I haven't gone through, you're kind of more of a history buff than I am. I haven't gone through it. Um, certainly the best of the year, maybe beyond. I mean, and, but that's saying something, to, to even put it in the conversation with whatever, top five, top 10, whatever, mm-hmm. is saying something with the history of this fan franchise and defense. I mean, it was really one of the best all-around performances in its hi- history. 
I think the way you ask John a question like that is you say better than the Steelers opening day, 35 to seven win where you had seven turnovers. Was it better than the nine sack? Before <laughs> you have to ask him about the specific games or you won't get it. And then he wouldn't like that. And, and you'd only last a couple seconds. So uh, yeah, anyway, uh, good stuff. Uh, so we're going to leave a break here. Josh, will take care of some business and we'll be right back to talk play by play. All right. It's that time of the year when divisions are decided Champions are crowned and legends are born. It's the NFL playoffs. We've waited. We've watched as the Ravens made it into the playoffs. And now it's our turn to win big. You've heard the name everywhere. I say it on every episode. My bookie, which is the industry leading online sports book and casino. And it's hard not, and it's not hard to understand why with thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college ball, all up there. Check, check, check. MMA, soccer, they've got it. They've even got uh, cultural and political bets as well. Take advantage of the MyBookie Prop Builder and live in-game betting. All ways that you can put cash in your pocket this playoff season. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 when you use the promo code RAVENS. When you make your first deposit. And the best part is they make it really simple. You can deposit using a credit card, a bank transfer, Bitcoin, and many other options. Whether you're home or on the go, on your laptop or on your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. All right. Back with Sarah Ellison here. And we're going to talk through the defense here. And we'll just go through this. Exactly as the game unfolded. So the Titans got the ball first. Uh, after the kickoff, they had it at the 25-yard line. And the Ravens put in their base defense. By the way, they used a lot of base defense in this game for 29 snaps. Uh, by far the highest percentage of the year of base defense. It was actually, by a little, the highest percentage of base defense for the year. But still, a very high percentage. And uh, on first and 10, uh, they had a naked boot right off a zone block left play. Uh, the outside man on the boot side was Judon. He was fooled initially. I think took a step towards the play to contain what could have been a run to Henry, then ran back to take down Tannehill on the right sideline. Yeah, I think the coverage really held up here. Um, I think Tannehill, when he when he did the bootleg, looked down uh, field for a second, didn't really see anything, and as you said, maybe Judon was fooled initially, but. Um, you know, I felt like, I felt like they were trying to, I mean, everybody's thinking, okay, it's, it's the Titans. Let's hand off to Henry first and go up the gut. And they were, you know, they were trying to maybe be a little trickery on, on the beginning, try to, try to not go to him for the first play. And so Judon, I think made up for it and only allowed the four yards, not too much damage there. No, good, good play. And, and I came into this game thinking that Tannehill's legs were an extraordinary weapon. They, he used them very effectively in the playoff game last year and also earlier this year against the Ravens in terms of uh, some big runs. He had a, I think he had a rushing touchdown last year in the playoffs. So uh, definitely something that I was a little bit concerned about. And to see them basically diagnose it and, and take care of it, bottle it up uh, for a minor defensive win with a four-year gain on first down was a good thing. So second and six comes up. Uh, the Titans go to Henry, run left for two, again against the base defense. This was the start for me of the Pernell McPhee story. Uh, uh, he yeah. zoned left play, and he was very patient on the backside. 
Pernell McPhee, you're going to be hearing him a lot. <laughs> and, and it's saying something that you're going to hear about him a lot when he had only 20 snaps on the game. Excellent job again from Week Martindale, keeping everybody fresh with the snaps. Uh, but but he closed the backside door. I mean, H Henry was trying to go left. There was nowhere to go, so he tried to cut back. McPhee closed it. And, and I want to point this out. This was a nine-man front uh, mm -hmm. up against uh, Henry. To put this to put this in perspective for the whole game, next gen stats. Henry faced a stacked box with eight plus defenders on seventy two percent of his runs, which was the fourth fourth highest rate for any quarterback. You know, so so uh, you know the Ravens and Wink Martindale. That was their game plan. We are going to stop Henry, and they started well. And and McPhee again uh, sealing that edge, and then and then not sealing the edge, but making sure he couldn't go back through the back door. Excellent job. Patient, patient, patient. Came in, made the tackle. I love the way it looked. And, and I'm with you on McPhee's great game. We're going to talk a lot more about that. Third play of the game. Uh, brings up third and four. Uh, the Ravens go to their nickel defense, which, by the way, was about as extreme as the Ravens got. They played some nickel. They didn't play any dime. They played a few different varieties of nickel during the game. This one happened to be a one-two-three nickel, which is I call the rush nickel with three outside linebackers on the field. Uh, long pass to... Uh, Smith down the right sideline, A.J. Smith, uh, not Janu, and approximately 25 yards. Humphrey was step-by-step -step with him in coverage. Ball's a little bit overthrown. What did you think about that play? I thought that Wink was got, got into his head from the beginning. He wanted Tannehill to know that he was going to get hit during this game. Um, so they did. That He brought, I think Chuck Clark came in right off behind Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, he brought Patrick Queen up the middle. And uh, Campbell knocked Tannehill down as he threw it. Not a big hit, nothing like that. But it was like Tannehill had to, from the beginning, from this first play, was like, okay, I have to be careful about the pressure that's going to be coming my way. Very much so. And it was, as you stated, quarterback hit by Campbell. Should have caught that myself in the original announcement of the play. But that's cool. Third, uh, third and four, sorry, fourth and four brought up. They punt, of course. We go to the next drive. So the next drive was their best. They scored their touchdown. They began it with a run left for six. And the thing about this play was that, no, there weren't any missed tackles on this play. Just a, a fairly good block by the wide receiver 13 on 44 on Humphrey uh, to lead the run left for six. They did get it blocked up reasonably. Like Questenberry got Ngakwe. One of the unusual things about this play is one of only five first downs that Ngakwe played during the game. And that's something I did not think we would see from the Ravens is him on the field a lot on running downs. Yeah, I think he's more of a, of a I think we'll see him more next week against Allen. Uh, definitely less this week. But I want to give, you know, a shout out to Humphrey. Humphrey, this is a rough series for him. Uh, not as bad as many fans made it out to be. But he did. This is one of the few times Henry got to that second level. And Humphrey, not too many DBs are bringing down Henry, you know, so good for for Humphrey and the, and the just the physicality that he brings. Yeah, he worked through that block to make that tackle, which is yes, something definitely something to be said on that. Uh, and we'll move on now to the second down play, which was second and four, another run for one with Humphrey. Now, this was an extraordinary play by McPhee. He shed the right tackle, number 71. That's uh, Dennis Kelly. Dennis Kelly, right. 6'8", 320. Much bigger man than he is. He put him on the ground, got rid of him, and went after the legs of Henry and took him down. McPhee could put on this is this is this is a school classroom. Okay, mm -hmm. if if you're bringing young outside linebackers, defensive ends, 
and uh, on how, how to just shed and disengage, you know, Kelly. And then, and then really, then he kind of like leapt over Kelly because he was on the ground. And then it was a, it was a tackling clinic also. And, and Brian Baldinger put out a video about how the Ravens dethroned the king. And it was just over and over again, you could tell the, the focus was to wrap him up around his legs. Don't play into his physicality as much, although the Ravens were extremely physical. But go down. Henry can't run if he doesn't have his legs. Sometimes he'll, he'll bulldoze over you, but he can't do that if his legs are tripped up. Excellent job by McPhee again. Yeah, that, that's that's extraordinarily uh, true of McPhee. McPhee was consistently in there on his legs. This one was not a particularly bad hit on legs. He had others where he twisted the legs, uh, where he did a, a particularly mm-hmm. effective job. But I'm completely with you on that. Uh, by the way, we would encourage people, and, and Sarah's kind of talking about it here, but if you want to stop the podcast right now, turn on the All-22, which I don't know if you can do on your computer, but it's a great way if you can, and kind of watch it with us or even watch the broadcast video if you have that. We think that's a great way to uh, to do this. A new new way for us to do it, to just go through every play, and we want to, want to make sure people are enjoying this. So we bring up a third and three, an opportunity to get them off the field again. Dime defense is, sorry, not the dime defense, I, I wish, but the nickel defense is on the field. And this time it's just a vanilla nickel, a, a two-two-five nickel, so not the extra outside linebacker nickel that we are used to seeing from the Ravens. And frankly, a, a extraordinarily well-caught ball by Humphrey mm-hmm. down the left sideline. And, you know, sir, we've talked about this some before, but – this is a case where it's not Humphrey's game to look back for the football nearly as much as it is for other DBs. But he did. He did on this play. Uh, he was looking back on this one. Maybe some others he didn't. I mean, this one I went back to watch, you know, a couple of times. This this is one of those plays where instead of getting upset with Humphrey, you have to give credit to the other team for a phenomenal play. I mean, Humphrey mm-hmm. really was step for step with AJ Brown there. And Tannehill had had a clean pocket, so you know, he wasn't under any duress. He could he could lay it in there just perfectly. And it and it's one of those game of inches plays. Like Humphrey's head was turned, he was looking at the ball, and it was just a couple inches that he was away from knocking the ball out of AJ Brown. I mean, AJ Brown is a big physical wide receiver, and he's gonna get his even against an all pro uh, like like Humphrey. So it's just to me one of those plays where the other team, you just got to give them credit despite the excellent defense, in my opinion, from Humphrey. Yeah, they're, they're getting paid also. Now, Humphrey did mm-hmm. get, his, get his hands up. Uh, it, it was a case where I think he was very late to react to the football here, but that's okay. okay. We can disagree on that one. The, the, <laughs> it, was, it was certainly Humphrey's game is more about reacting to the receiver's hands and knocking the ball free with that those yes. baseball bat like arms that he has has just been extraordinary. And you know the couple times he lost in this game, he basically lost because he didn't get his hands up in time, or Brown interfered with him, <laughs> or or any number of other things. So anyway, let's go on before we start bitching about everything here. Uh, next play is first and ten. Of course, uh, they have a pass left for four yards that goes to Jonu Smith, who's pushed out of bounds and tackled by Clark. Really nice, quick tackle. That was true of a lot of what Clark did today. All right, maybe not worth saying anything about that play. Next play, of course, they put him in a bad situation with a false start that brought up second and 11. But then second and 11, the Ravens are able to go to their nickel defense again. They went to just a standard nickel, and a 14-yard throw was made to 
Brown. Brown again, crossing the middle of the field against Humphrey. Humphrey really lost him in the break yeah. this time on second eleven. Yeah, this one I put on. I put on Humphrey. He did lose him, and it's interesting because uh, I listened to the post game presser with Mike Rabel after the game, and reporters asked him why he like AJ Brown had so much success in the beginning, and they and from Tennessee's point of view, they felt like they didn't go back to him enough. They kind of went away from him, and they're right. Uh, AJ Brown had six catches this game, and three of them were on this drive alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad that he kind of didn't go, they didn't go towards AJ Brown as much. I think they were still just trying to get Henry going so much. Uh, so I'm glad they didn't, but, um, uh, but again, just another great AJ Brown route and, and Marlon didn't keep up. Yeah. I, Brown and Ferkser were fairly much their whole offense. Those, those two guys had 127 yards and beyond that, they only had another 38 receiving yards in the game. And of course they only had 51 rushing yards in mm-hmm. the game. So those guys were really you know, the bulk of the offense in this one. Uh, we bring up a, let's see now, we've got a first and 10 play after the gain of 14. Uh, Ravens are back in the base defense. And let me confirm that that's the case. Yes, and back in the base defense, run up the middle for one. And this time it was McPhee again, unblocked, very patient off that right edge, moving in to tackle Henry again. By the legs, a little bit of twisting action this time to take him down. This one was an option, so they were reading McPhee, and he just didn't bite on anything. Like you said, he was very patient, and uh, everyone filled their gaps, and Henry had nowhere to go, so he decided to go to the right, right into McPhee's arms, where, again, he wrapped up, and like you said, he twisted his legs there, but he just was completely patient, didn't bite, and I loved it because it was teammates trusting each other. Teammates yeah. trusting each other because everybody filled their gaps. And so McPhee can be patient because he's trusting his interior guys. And they did what they were supposed to do, pushing Henry back out. And, and it was right into McPhee's arms. Yeah, a lot we talk about these great edge players in the game. But there's two things I want to mention about that. Number one is that edge players can only be great most of the time if your point of attack players are really holding it. They're, they're right. not getting bowled by, way off the ball by double teams. They're not getting moved around, pushed around by singles, certainly. Uh, but they can only really do it if that works out. McPhee, if they were trying to read McPhee regularly in this game, and I didn't really think about how many times they tried to do that, but it was a really, he's not the guy you want to try and make a mistake. I think you can actually make Judon make more mistakes mm. as a read player because he's more likely to bite on some tell you give him that it's a pass play and run himself out of the play. McPhee is just, he's hes much better at that and uh, and very good. Judon has some other good diagnosis skills on on screen plays, but I think that, uh, you know, McPhee, very patient edge defender, and it really showed up in this game play after play. All right, we go to 749 of the first quarter. We got a second and nine play and a pass to the right side for five. This one went to, let me make sure I'm looking at the right one. <laughs> is it bad? I don't have the receiver on this play. Oh, it's a, right. it's it's Smith. Smith, Smith again. Okay, Johnny yeah, Smith. Yeah. So I had Swain being jammed. Uh, effectively at the line of scrimmage, and and since it was a naked boot, it's yeah. it, the the interesting thing about this. I remember the play now, and I've, I've got the visual memory of the playback. Harrison is the guy who had a chance to make a really big play here, and it was unfortunate this did not happen. Did you did you see the same thing? If I, I'll let you tell the story as the color person, if you want to. I wasn't going to talk about him, so go ahead. 
Go for uh, it. But my, my point was this set up the, the, the play at the block of the line of scrimmage sets up a pass play on three levels. And the Ravens ran this a lot with Flacco, of course, his zone block left, naked boot right, where the quarterback then has an option at level one, level two, and level three. And mm-hmm. the level one option would have been Swaim, except that he was bowled too far into the backfield by Ngakwe's rush. And so he he basically was in the wrong position to get out for a pass at level one. Harrison then was in a terrifically advantaged position because he's the defender who's at level one between effectively that, that short route and the second route. But he did not really accurately diagnose where that ball would go on the sideline. Tannehill still fed the needle in there. If he had made a move to the sideline in there, it's it's might not have been a pick six, but it certainly would have been a pick with great field position at the very least. Uh, this is, I don't know if it's going to be a running theme, but it's definitely going to come up more than once that we'll talk about Harrison and Queen in coverage. So mm-hmm. I think you you called it well here. This is this to me was like, a, if it's not an exact repeat, very close to the very first play of the game where mm-hmm. everything was covered. So Tannehill kept it himself. And then on this one, he got to dump it to his, his tight end for five yards out. All right. So now let's see. We're at that was a conversion of third and four. Um, my sources here are a little bit messed up on me. There we go. Here we go. On the third and four play, I'm sorry, they had a pass in the middle of the field for nine yards. And that was board beaten mm-hmm. inside by Ferkser. So it was a three plus six. It was a, a, a throw short of the sticks uh, between the hashes and the right numbers. Uh, there was some, I don't know if you noticed this, pre-snap confusion over the responsibilities of Queen and, and uh, Ward. I did, I did. I was gonna, I thought it was a good play design for Tennessee. Uh, and maybe or maybe it was just a lack of experience from the from the linebackers, but uh it seemed to me that like Frisker got open pretty easily. Board, you know, got there, got there and got the tackles, you know, you know, right afterwards. But it, yeah, it, he was he was open. He was open. I thought it was a good play design. I don't think people were quite ready for those routes. Well, Ferkser was not covered. First of all, it was it was going to be a hard thing to defense anyway because it was a stack route. They had a natural cross to rub off the tight ends coverage on the play. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a it was a case where Ferkser was not covered at all, and Marcus Peters was on the wide receiver. I don't remember who that was on this side. Might have been it might have been Smith or it might have been Brown. I'm not sure either one. But anyway, Marcus Peters was opposite uh, opposite him, and he was waving a linebacker in. And then Queen and Board couldn't agree on whose responsibility it was to cover the guy. So they're looking at each other. <laughs> and finally, Board came over, but it was kind of too late. And then he didn't know how to uh, how to uh, react to that inside move by Ferkser. And he beat him and, and uh, got a nine-yard play. So first down, kind of a big play on a drive to continue it. And they were set up with first and goal at the seven after that play. All right, we'll move on here. Very first play, uh, one of the really big plays for Matthew Judon. Breaks yes. into the backfield, beats Swaim to the inside, tackles Henry for a loss of three. It was it was just a gorgeous move by Judon. The way he just he just whipped right past the tight end. Uh, I mean, just uh, he just dipped low and led with his shoulder and just went <laughs> right past him, penetrating the backfield. He was there so quick that he was there a split second after Henry got the handoff. I mean, if he was there any faster, I mean, he would have just disrupted, you know, and maybe caused a fumble. Uh, I mean, there was nothing Henry was going to be able to do. I I mean, it was gorgeous how how judon got in there um and so it it gives since it was negative three yards here's an interesting stat from um espn stats and information the ravens hit henry at or behind the line of scrimmage on 11 of his 18 carries 
11 nice. of his 18 carries. <laughs> and so only 12 of his 40 rushing yards came before contact. Before That's amazing. So it, That's it, two-thirds of a yard per carry before contact. A normal number might be two and a half to three yards. The Ravens were, they were not budging. It was a wall. And when they weren't a wall, it was plays like Lee's, like like Janon, just getting penetration. It it was, I mean, absolutely incredible what they did to to Henry. And this is another one of those moments to, to highlight that. Yeah, it's a little bit of risky play, by the way, for Judon. So he had to be sure he was going to make that move inside because he could easily have ended up on the ground if Swaim had gotten the proper leverage on him. Then it could have been a run to Henry that way, or it could have been a pass design anyway, where you know it's some sort of play action move, and then and then the ball is thrown. But there were ways that Judon could have lost this play, but he he trusted in his own ability, got through and 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 made it. So outstanding. Set up second and ten. You think. Well, that's a good chance for the Ravens to stop him then from, from second and 10. Of course, the next play into the end zone, blatant pass interference from any Ravens fan in terms of Brown. And he catches the ball with, brings it in really with one, one hand, but uh, he was using his other hand to push off. If you were following me on Twitter, Ken, uh, <laughs> I was ticked off about this. And you don't really see me being ticked off until later, till the, to the Sneed. I, I like, I, right after this happened, I did tweet that, it was it was a pass interference, and and you know that because it's it's AJ Brown's arm is completely extended, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the sign that it's that it's a push off, that it's that it's uh, offensive pass interference. It's completely. It, people were trying to come back at me saying, "Ah, oh, it was just it was just hand hand fighting." I'm cool with hand fighting. That was more than hand fighting. That was as the ball was coming, he pushed off, arm fully extended onto. Humphrey's shoulders and pushes him down to the ground. It was absolutely offensive pass interference. And then they bring on the the um, John Barry, their their referee expert, you know, on the broadcast, mm-hmm. and he says the same thing, right? But then he says the following. He goes, he goes. So it'll be interesting. He's like, it'll be interesting to see how they call it the next three quarters, and if it's consistent, okay, then cool. But then you're going to call the ticky tack stuff on Willie Steed, and I'm going to bring it up here because we're not mm-hmm. going over the offensive stuff. And right. that was so ticky-tack. That, okay, sure, by letter of the law, maybe you could call it on, on Willie Sneed, but that's not the way they called it on A.J. Brown. So to me, it's like if you're going to call it tight, call it tight. If you're going to call it loose, call it loose, but you have to call it both ways. And this and this officiating crew didn't do that. So I was I called it in the moment, but I wasn't fuming until they called it on Willie Sneed. I was yeah. definitely upset about this. It's a damn good thing the Ravens won this game, given the, exactly. given the way this uh, the game was called, frankly. Um, all right. Well, anyway, that's the end of the first drive. I just wanted the, uh, the touchdown drive. Six passes on that drive, three ample times in space. That was really a lot of what they did. They had a passes for 14, 5, and 9. They had a 28 when they, when they had their only pressure on the drive, which was a, uh, a pressure by Fort. So uh, honestly, it was, a, it was a drive where the pressure, any kind of pressure from their pass rush really kind of let them down. And that was not a big problem the rest of the game. They got some pretty decent pressure the rest of the game, which is a, a part of the big story of why things went well. Yeah, we just, we just knocked out the worst drive for the defense right there. Good deal. Okay, third drive of the game. This is the, the field goal drive. They started off with a run up the middle for five yards. Uh, that's Henry again. Uh, let's see, what happened here? They had... Uh, it was actually a pretty good job of Wolf holding the left edge and uh, Williams not being moved by Saffold. Saffold, I thought, had a pretty bad game at left guard for the Titans, by the way. I didn't think he was – he might have been hurt still. They've been talking about that, but he didn't really play all that well. 
Um, and Matabike playing down. I'm in the wrong play here. I'm on the wrong this, darn play. This, one, this is the one where uh, both rookie linebackers. Yes, missed the tackle. Yes. Yeah, go. yeah, missed the tackle. So, again, the, the front line held it well, and they hold all the blockers, allowing room for first Queen. But mm-hmm. Queen tr- dives it at Henry's feet but couldn't wrap up on him. He could have had him for a loss probably right there. So then uh, Henry goes forward, and then Harrison has a clean shot out on him, but bounces right off of him like Henry was was uh, too big for him. So so anyway, it was Ellis who ended up getting him later, but um, that could have been uh, a loss had had Queen wrapped up around his feet and gotten him down. Yeah, part of the practicality of of Queen tackling is he really needs to go low on these bigger men. Yeah. And and at his size, he's just he's not going to be good enough to take down guys. And I think that's shown up a lot this season. It showed up in this game in terms of guys bullying him for several yards after contact when he tries to take him on high. But he's going to need to learn to be a, a very form, uh, you know, knee thigh tackler to be effective in the Harrison, NFL. though, is supposed to be the thumper. Oh, yeah. And and he and he it was Henry who thumped him. <laughs> so. Uh, so anyway, uh, th- that was a good play by Ellis, by the way, to pursue that tackle uh, for for a uh, for a gain of five. That could have been worse. So anyway, we move ahead to three fifty six of that first quarter, and we have a run left for four. This time, Harrison moved through traffic uh, and seventy six pancake. This is Saffold again, uh, pancake queen. Uh, but but it was Harrison who assisted Wolf on the tackle. I thought pretty good play by him, making up for it right away. All right, we continue on. We go to 315. Uh, now we got a big play. This is Ferkser again in the middle of the field crossing for a four plus 31. Now, this is a really bad play. I know we're going to get to some topics you want to talk about, but it's really as if as soon as a receiver passes Patrick Queen, he immediately no longer exists. If a tree falls in the wood, if a receiver passes, <laughs> he no longer exists. <laughs> so anyway, what do you have to say? Well, it's it's just I was on last week. This is this is the exact play I was nervous about with with Patrick Queen. Um, he and and at first, what's funny is like my memory from watching it the first time. I for some reason thought that he bit on play action, and then when I came back to it, because it's third and one, right? So you're mm-hmm. kind of thinking, okay, you've got you've got Derrick Henry, even though he's not getting much so far, you think that he can convert on third and one. But I went back and watched it and I was like, no, it, it wasn't a play action. Henry was off to his right and he was, and like pre-snap, it was clear that he wasn't running. And so, um, so anyway, Ferkser just goes behind Patrick Queen, like we've seen so many times. And Patrick Queen, I, I mean, just, and here's what's the, is like, okay, fine. You didn't get, you didn't get him in coverage. You let him sneak right across the middle, but then what made it worse is that once Fersker caught it, it seemed like Patrick Queen let up. Yeah, like, he, was, he was lollygagging after the play. Yeah, it was like right. one of those um, Earl Thomas Earl things. Thomas. And, yep. <laughs> and and like you're a rookie, like like Patrick. At least Earl Thomas was like has has been there. He's gotten a Super Bowl. He's an All Pro. He's like made his money, all that kind of stuff. And so it wasn't quite as blatant as him, but he just let the Humphrey and Peters go run him down. It's like, dude, that was your guy. That was your responsibility. And then you just kind of lollygagged down the field. So that one was probably my biggest, uh, I was most disappointed in from a defensive standpoint was that play right there. 
Yeah, it's obviously it's a big play, and it's and it's one that Queen should be embarrassed about, even if he's not. Uh, we'll see how that uh, goes. I, you know, I thought Harbaugh should have probably had words with him right away uh, about that play. Uh, anyway, the next play at two thirty, uh, there is second, and no, it's first and ten, of course, and mm-hmm. a run up the middle for one. And here is the start of the Justin Matabike story, and he had quite a game of pursuit down the line of scrimmage. This was one of these one of these plays. And uh, he shed Saffold on the play, which is very impressive. But tell me what mm-hmm. your thoughts are. Well, I, I agree. This is the beginning of Matabike. I didn't catch him quite as much live until, and then I came back. And again, it's this rotation. It's so gorgeous mm-hmm. that it's like you bring some of these big men off the field and like you're bringing in Matabike, who's clearly has a future in this league. Uh, but it originally is a split. It, it's originally a double team, but kind of the left guard releases to go to the second level. Uh, but when he releases, that's when Matabike just, you know, you know, gets past, sheds the other guy, and then takes Henry down by, by, by his legs. And this is massive because we just got done talking about how Queen gives up, what was that, a, a 35-yard play. Mm-hmm. Titans are up by seven already, seven to zero. And you're like, holy crap. Like we already, we're already starting to feel like, is this deja vu? And not just because, you know, Pat, um, uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, we talk so much about how he had, you know, monkeys to get off his back. Well, the, the Ravens defense had monkeys to get off their back. And it's looking like it's about to be another repeat with, with, you know, this big 35 yard play and they're already up by seven. So the t- not only was it a good play um, isolated, but in the moment that it was just like this was the start of stopping them from going down and, and, and getting up 14 year, uh, 14-0. Big, big play by Matabike. And then he follows it up on the next play with another big one. Definitely <laughs> magnified. I'll go ahead and do the next one right away. Second and nine. Uh, Nate Davis was blocking Matabike one-on-one. Actually did a pretty good job of it. And then he allowed about a yard of separation. Didn't keep punching. Didn't keep at it. You need to do that when you're an offensive lineman, even if you're even if it doesn't seem necessary. Matabike gets up his hands, knocks down the pass. Uh, he was fortunate in a sense. I'm talking Davis now was fortunate that Matabike didn't knock it straight up where it could be intercepted. It just went off to the right. It actually looked like it, it, it was Matabike's forearm which caught the football, which means he's really getting some pretty good elevation there to knock it down. Big man has some jumps, the leaps getting up in the air. I like it. <laughs> there you go. Okay, third and nine, we roll on. Uh, this one was one of several really nice stunts by the Ravens. So they're yeah. back in uh, on, on third and nine here. I'm going to give you the defensive call here was another dime, uh, sorry, a nickel and a, a one, two, three nickel. So that's a rush nickel with three outside linebackers on the field. One of the things you'll notice is 99, Judon stunting from the left edge through the right B gap. That's a long way, folks, um, <laughs> uh, to make a quarterback hit. And it happened very fast. It it happened so fast, and it happened from so far away. I had to keep rewatching the play. I was like, "Where did Judon come from?" So I mean, I originally watched. I originally watched it on the on the broadcast, and then so I went to coaches' film. You know how they first always show it from far away, and then like, and then they give you that straight on look. And I was like, "Oh, that's where he came from!" Like all the way from the tight end on the opposite side of the. And it was so fast, and he got a clean shot on Tannehill. That was that was a fun play to watch. Okay, of course the ball went out out of bounds. It was uh, uh, Davis uh, over there on the uh, uh, reception covered by non reception covered by uh, Peters. Okay, that's the that's the drive. They kick a field goal there. They go up ten nothing. Not the place the Ravens wanted to be after a quarter. 
and anyway, they go to quarter two. They're down 10 to three now when they get the ball back, I believe. And let me confirm that's the case. Yes, they score. And the Titans get the ball back for the first time in quarter three. Derrick Henry runs one yard uh, off left tackle here. And this was another one where Wolf, in this instance, was holding the edge. Yeah, Wolf was was big on this one. This again, this is big. We just had back to back scoring drives from uh, the Titans, and so the I mean the, the 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 defense needs to step up. Derek Wolf holds that point of attack, and then he and Williams squeeze down together to to get Henry. Uh, excellent job by Derek Wolf here. Yeah, Williams not moved at all on that play by Saffold, who, you know, again, didn't have a great game. I thought that a really good job was done by Matabika, even though he's not in on the tackle on this play to play down the line of scrimmage versus Nate Davis as well. So, you know, you, you find yourself noticing Matabike a lot, play after play on these mm-hmm. uh, on these ones. All right, well, the next, the next play is an unfortunate one. We have uh, 22, uh, Jimmy Smith uh, has an illegal hands to the face, and that gives them a first down. One of the things you notice about this is Jimmy Smith was on um, Brown on this play. Press coverage on Brown almost every single play in this game. They really did not play him soft. I don't think there is a lot of point in doing so. Uh, but but they didn't really let him let him up at all. He's not the fastest receiver. He can be disrupted off the line of scrimmage. His main you know component of his game is some physicality. Yeah, I well, I'll, I'm going to take the opportunity because we're not going to call Jimmy Smith's name a lot. Uh, he had only, I think he had 16 coverage snaps. And the reason why we're not going to call his name a lot is because he was targeted zero times. <laughs> zero times. So um, I don't know if that's just because he's, you know, like in that physical receiver and, and or physical corner and, and, uh, takes the receivers off where they should be going or whatever, but he was targeted zero times. I loved having him back. I, I missed him. Yeah, it is it is wonderful to have him back. He's going to do a lot of things for you, covering a tight end. And this was, you know, he was covering, he was covering Brown on this play, yeah. but he's big enough to cover tight ends if you're big enough to cover Brown pretty much. There, I guess there are a few tight ends who might still be a, a size larger than than Brown, but he's a, a very physical player, certainly. We move ahead to 857. Um, first and 10, Henry off right tackle for no gain here. Uh, McPhee and Harrison make the tackle. Uh, this is a nice play for a couple of people, but you start with, with McPhee, who shed and pancaked again the right tackle, and also the fact that Harrison worked through the fullback blasting game to get the assist on the play. I thought both made a good play on that one. Yeah, I thought it was both. I mean, uh, McPhee just seemed to, you know, tear his guy down. Uh, and because he was tripped up, that was right at Henry's feet. <laughs> so Henry was like, well, I don't have anywhere to go. So he was just sitting there like a sitting duck for Malik Harrison to come in and finish the job. It was it was a good job by by both on that play. All right. Now we have on, let's see now, it's uh, second and 10 here after a run for nothing. Uh, this time Tannehill goes to Janu Smith. for I'm sorry, he goes to Swaim for a five-yard play on the right side. Nice quick tackle by Elliott on the play. Anything you want to... I thought this was just a good play by Tannehill uh, and, and, but also the Ravens coverage because Tannehill at first... Um, well, uh, first of all, nobody was fooled by the play action on this one. Everybody was covered and Tannehill... Um, ha- had some time, but then it broke down when when no, when everybody was covered. So he's rolling out to the sideline. This is a tough throw to make. Um, makes it on the run and just s- Swaim. Is that how you say his name? Swaim. Yeah. He just like you know c- 
catches it with his his tapping his feet in bounds. I mean, it was just a good play by them. I thought the Ravens had excellent coverage, and, and Tannehill made a good job buying some time and, and finding him. And guys, I made a mistake earlier. This was the play that Harrison had the possible pick six on. It's this they ran this boot a fair number of times, but this okay. was the play. He was close. He was underneath Swaim. He'd already uh Ngakwe had already swam past uh Janu Smith for the pressure. And Janu Smith was that level one receiver. So apologize for getting those plays mixed up. But this is the one where Harrison had a really big play he could have made. And uh and I apologize for messing that up anyway. We go to 727. Uh, Tannehill takes his only sack of the game. It's yet another stunt. This was another gorgeous play, not as much by Wolf. Wolf took terrific advantage of it, but it's the greatest pick you'll ever see from McPhee getting between these two players. Actually, you rarely do this, but he's crossing the the right guard Nate Davis's face, and he pushed Davis to the ground. Also, so he there's no there's no not secured half of that double team there that he hasn't done because of course Wolf is going to go on the Davis side then to to get the sack and that's exactly what he did. This is the one where if you're if you were on Twitter, this is the one where Ronnie Stanley tweets out right after the play happens because uh, Wolf gets this this seven yard sack and he tweets for those who don't really understand football, Pernell McPhee was the biggest reason for that sack. Love that guy. So yep. he did. McPhee got the attention of two two offensive linemen and just. Uh, and Derek Wolf was was patient and came in afterwards and 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 got the sack. So again, McPhee again, he had twenty snaps, six total tackles, and then stuff like this where he sets yeah, up the sack. And it's usually reversed where it's Derek Wolf who's setting up, you know, being doing the dirty work and setting somebody else to get the sack. So it was nice to see him get get some some payback there. I mean, I think it's fair to say McPhee stepped right out of 2014 to play this game. 2014, he, dro- <laughs> he drove the Ravens' pass rush. He was this kind of a monster. And his big thing was the ability to command and occasionally beat himself double teams. He had one game that year where he beat four double teams personally, which is just unbelievable, wow. frankly. But 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 it, he, he had a thunderous first step, would get between two players, and it's this kind of action that sets that up. Even if you don't get home yourself, and obviously he didn't hear, he made it very, very easy for Derek Wolf there on that play. But anyway, great game for McPhee. We're all in agreement on that. It's almost like they had to really apportion out his snaps, which because he was playing at such a high level in this game. That ends the drive. Uh, they're forced to punt after that uh, third and five brings up fourth and 12. They get the ball back again with 2.32 to go, and that's after Lamar Jackson has scrambled for 48 yards to tie the score. Titans get it again. Uh, the very first play, you have one of the really cool plays of the game. Uh, Tannehill is rushed on what was set up to be a screen pass to Jonu Smith. Uh, but Ward gets by Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith blocks for just a little too long. <laughs> and then as the intended receiver, uh, Ward gets high in the air, tips the ball, and back to Tannehill, who should have never caught it, and is taken down for a loss of 10. Well, and Ward, Ward, um, he got, he was so on top of that ball. He may, he could have had an interception, uh, mm-hmm. but he batted it down and it was, it was so fun. It was fun to watch. I mean, I would have preferred the interception, but this was a fun alternative to see him bat it right back to Tannehill. Um, and what a great, cause this is, this is a two minute drive for them, right? Like they're trying to get back ahead before oh, yeah. the halftime, before halftime, they've got plenty of time to do it. And I will say this. And you know this, Ward, um, after the Yannick Ngakwe trade, they the Ravens had so many, still have so many outside linebackers that it's somebody, somebody is normally a healthy scratch. And at first it was Ward. And then when, you, when I don't remember who it was, Yannick, I know got hurt for a couple games. I don't know if there was another injury, but that brought Ward back on. And then they were like, 
uh, okay, we shouldn't have been making him a healthy scratch. And so now that everybody was healthy, it was Ferguson who was the healthy scratch because Ward has proved himself and made the decision for the coaches, don't take me off the field. And this it's one of these plays that shows why they can't they can't make him a healthy scratch anymore. Yeah, it's, it was you know between him and Ferguson, they 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 probably think that Ferguson is the better run defender. It's a big vote of confidence in Ward that he's the active guy against Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. That, you know they they think boy yeah that's this is a a good time to have him on. But he certainly paid him off on this play, that's for sure. Ravens are right up against it by the way in terms of roster spots, and I think they used twenty four on the defense, twenty one on offense. Very unusual, but they had five defensive linemen, five inside linebackers. They didn't deactivate any of them. Five corners five outside linebackers, and four safeties. They had 24 active. They had 21 on offense. That includes eight offensive linemen because you can't short that position. They had only 13 skill position players on the whole offense doing all all of what they did yesterday. And then they had, uh, of course, three special teams guys. All right, let's move on now. After the after the loss of 10, the Ravens are certainly trying to get the ball back here on second and 20. Uh, they throw a pass to Brown that's along the right sideline. This is an interesting one because I think Humphrey probably deserved a pass defense on this one because I think he helped distract and push on, it's actually Jonu Smith, uh, to keep to push him out of bounds such that he caught the ball but could not keep his second foot in. Yeah, nothing to add there. Just, I mean, Brown caught it, but he was out of bounds, and and I thought I felt like Humphrey was great in coverage. You're right; it was Brown. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, very good. Uh, okay, so third and twenty, uh, they run the ball finally, and this is with uh, 155 to go, so they might have runs off some time. Uh, McPhee shed the left tackle Questenberry and tackled the backup running back uh, for a gain of four to end the drive. Really nice play by McPhee here. You know, it's not like this would have been a big difference, but it could have gone for an eight or 10 yard run. It would probably have been their longest run of the day had McPhee not come up with the tackle there. Well, I mean, this just, I mean, it's third and 20. And they're, it, to me, it's, it's what would normally be an obvious passing situation. And so I think Tennessee was just like hoping maybe they were, maybe catch them off guard, you know, expecting a pass on third and 20. Um, so, so yeah, but McPhee again, patient and, and not ever. He just. He just. He's a veteran. He. He's. Di- he diagnoses stuff, and uh, another good play for him there. All right. Well, let's move on. We'll go to the third quarter now. The Ravens. Before they even let the Titans get the ball, they really put their footprint on this game with a six-minute touchdown drive. Uh, the big highlight on this drive, of course, was three passes to Patrick Ricard. Two of them for first downs. You know, I, we're not going to talk about the offense too much here, but I thought the pass up the middle to Ricard is just the most unusual place for Ricard ever to be in a pattern. It's it's a, it's, it's six yards from the line of scrimmage, but in the middle of the field. He's a flat route guy. You know, he's a guy you want to get on the edge against smaller players. The play this reminded me on was the very first play of Super Bowl Forty Seven, where they threw a similar pass to Vonta Leach, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just it was a it was a very nice. Design there, and Ricard bailed out Jackson, who, who threw the ball very low with a with a nice uh, uh, dig out there for the catch. Well, and he caught another one again. I know this is an offense, but he caught the other one out in the flats, mm-hmm. and and a three hundred and fifteen, however, what three hundred eleven, I think he is pound pounder, who by the way also plays defensive line in his spare time, not as much this season, but did last season. Mm-hmm. And the way he just turns his body upfield, I'm like, dude, you're you're like. <laughs> 
you're not your body isn't supposed to do that. He was the MVP of that drive. Uh, uh, just incredible what he can do. One one of the things I really love about Ricard is when he has the football and he and he'll he rarely goes down. Period. Usually has to be pushed out of bounds. When he is pushed out of bounds, he won't give the ball up to anybody and he won't ever toss it to an official. He has to like stick it in the gut of an official. It's it's, it's, it's a very possessive kind of a scheme. You know, personal protection characteristics and whatnot. But he's very uh, he's very safe with things. all right, we move ahead to the, to the Titans' first jo- drive of quarter three here. And the Ravens are playing all, all uh, uh, base and nickel the rest of the way. They start in the base. Henry runs uh, for two yards. Uh, it's McPhee again. McPhee again. <laughs> gives ground a little bit to Swaim, and then he comes up to make the tackle. He he threw him to the – he like he, the tight end ended up on the ground, and then he met Henry coming around the edge – Wrapped him up again around his legs. And this was one of my favorites because, you know, Tennessee is trying to regroup, right? They're coming out of halftime. They're trying to regroup. The Ravens have just put together a beautiful offensive drive coming out of halftime where they clearly adjusted. So it's like, are the t- are the Titans going to be able to adjust? Nope. And then McPhee gets <laughs> up and he is screaming. I mean, he is fired up. So it was like, no, I don't care what y'all just talked about in halftime. It's not working. Just get back there and let's do this again. I mean, he just was a madman out there. We've seen McPhee play a lot of football games, and I cannot remember a time where he was as obviously emotionally invested. Even in games where he's had some sacks, his run play stops, he was so excited about them in this game. And it's it was great to see. And you know, it, it is very clear he's the Ravens' best edge setter. And I wasn't completely sold on that notion, but I am now. There's no doubt who, about it. Who was it running it. in your mind? Well, at the beginning of the year now, this is not not once we got into the year, but I would have said okay. that Ferguson had improved a lot, that Ward was a guy, that Judon, in fact, was one that the pre-FF grade and other things were not fully reflecting his value as a run stopper. But okay. McPhee now is just, he's too savvy in terms of, of what he does to uh, to not be that guy. So good. Yeah. All right. So uh, I love this next play as well. This is at 8-11 of the third quarter. So it's a run up the middle for four yards, which isn't any, anything really special. But what I liked about it was, that Humphrey blitzed off the right edge, off the slot, and he actually sealed off that right edge. And obviously, Henry decided that wasn't an option on the play with with Humphrey coming in like that. And uh, you know, we also had Judon rushing wide a little bit, but he could he could have been had on the left edge. Humphrey goes up the middle, and he was met first by Queen. A little bit of drive in terms of the tackle, but I thought still good play to to get him down for a four yard loss. I don't know what's going on with my notes. I have no notes on this play or the next one, so I'll let you cover the next one also. Okay, next play is a is a third and four play. ATS on the play, which was unfortunate. So uh, Tannehill makes a six-yard pass to Batson. This was his – I think this is his only catch of the game. I don't remember him catching another ball. He's number 13. Uh, it was a nice at-the-sticks kind of throw on third and four. He's a yard past that. It's exactly what you want your quarterback to do in front of Peters, who was playing a little bit soft, but at least he did come up and make a quick tackle. Peters is a guy much more likely to play soft because he wants his ball skills. He wants his reading the quarterback to come into play, come up and make a big play. I personally, I like that kind of gambling. Well, and again, I like, I just like the, the complimentary cornerbacks again, Humphrey and Peters have such different styles of, of play and the Ravens can benefit from both. All right. Next play is at 642. Another ample time and space play. Yep. Uh, we have a throw to Henry now. 
uh, for three plus four uh, itself, the left sideline. Uh, Elliot up quickly to tackle. I like that. Four yards after the after the uh, pass is not the end of the world, of course. And uh, what's interesting about this play is that Henry has to leave the field after the play on second and three. Did you notice that? Is this where Elliot takes his shoe off? I think that's why. I, I, I wasn't sure exactly what had happened. It was obviously an equipment problem. We're sitting behind the Tennessee bench for the game. And I saw him, somebody was working with him and I'm looking down and Henry is obviously frustrated not being able to be on the field. You know, I've, I haven't, didn't watch it as intently, nor did the camera, was the camera on him the whole time. Yeah. Uh, on on the field. But he obviously wasn't able to go back in on either of the next two plays. So he had a a, a second and three play where Evans went off left, left tackle for a yard. And guess who? Justin Matabike. You can guess a lot of people. And, and you might be right, but Justin Matabike in this case makes a tackle. Yeah, he, he shed uh, two blockers. And one of them... I, you know, I don't know the exact definition of a chop block. Maybe you can you can explain it to me. But it looked like that's what it in my mind. That's what a chop block is. I mean, he was going low for him, and Matabike kept his feet. He kept his feet. He kept balanced, and then he got in there. Got in there on on Evans. Yeah, I, I did notice he beat the cut block by the right tackle. I did not notice the chop. If he's duly engaged, that's a chop block. If he's if those happen sequentially, where one is off and then the other occurs, he's there. That's that's legal. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, but but it was it's it's tough for a lineman to beat a good chop block, and he beat it. He beat this chop block. I don't. I guess that makes it not a good chop block by yeah. definition. Anyway. Well, and the one was was he he the the blocker was not in the correct position. It looked like he was diving to kind of do it. So um so and maybe they were trying to tie it up to where it wasn't exactly together. But the guy was the blocker was definitely going after his feet, and and Matabike, another big guy, just was 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 fast on his feet and was able to overcome it. All right, 524 left in the third. It's it's getting late in the game at this point. Only 20 minutes left. Third and two. This is a very big play. And uh, Humphrey is actually in the slot on the right side with Corey Davis on the outside. But in the course of the play, the coverage switched. Humphrey yep. is covering Davis on the outside, knocks that ball down approximately three yards by that right sideline to deny the conversion. Excellent communication. Excellent communication between Heaters, uh, Peters and Humphrey, two, two veterans now where they – they, you know, they pass them off to each other and the coverage is perfect. And so the protection initially held up for Tannehill and, but they were, they were perfectly covered. So he couldn't do anything. So he buys some time and, and then he had the scramble play. And so after the perfect communication of switching, uh, switching the wide receivers, Humphrey stays on, on Corey Davis and knocked the ball out of his hands on this scramble play throw. So really well done from from both of them and then Humphreys to finish it off yeah we've played about 10 minutes and it could not have gone more the Ravens would have wanted it in the in this third quarter they score a touchdown on their drive Tennessee doesn't you're really starting to get the sense that the Ravens might have this game and and uh uh you know you don't want to we've been there too many times with teams like Tennessee lost a lead to them in the previous game this year but yep. it certainly looked like this was in the in good shape with that very fine defensive stop. They get the ball back with three minutes left in the third. Uh, let's see. Let me make sure I have some of the details on this play. They're back in the base defense against. So they really never made him come out of that particularly much. Uh, and you know they could have done it by putting four receivers on the field. By putting eleven personnel on the field would have kind of forced the nickel. Uh, the Titans never really decided that was the right way to go. They liked having tight ends on the field. Uh, this is the one with the roughing the passer, yeah? That is. This is the one with the roughing the passer, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to give, you know, I'm trying to be 
objective here because I was fuming on the on the offensive pass interferences. This one was a good call. This was absolutely a, a, a roughing the passer from Wolf. Uh, he had more than the two steps and still hit Tannehill. And uh, this was a good double move by Brown to kind of get off of Peters again. He was playing a little bit soft, which I think he should do. Yeah. He's just not as physical as Brown. Um, so, you know, the the pass in of itself was already making me nervous, but then you tacked on 15 yards and you're like, oh, crap, I hope the defense isn't about to have a big letdown. So so I'm getting a little bit nervous on, on this drive. I was noticing Jerome Boger's crew calls 0.6 roughing the passer penalties per game. That's a high rate, and, and it's not something that would favor the Ravens. I don't think this would have been roughing the passer with every crew in the National Football League. For one thing, he didn't lean into him. He didn't drop his weight on him. He he hit him with his body, but he didn't he didn't make any attempt to wrap him up, pin his arms, take him to the ground, any of that stuff. He didn't knock him down. He didn't even push him down in a way that is often something that gets the two step rule uh, implied. I I. I, I I, I didn't like the call, but then I never like roughing the passer calls on either team. So uh, so this is one that really kind of bothered me. Less roughing the passer is good for football uh, in terms of – I agree of, with uh, that generally, but I think I think this was a fair one. But we'll agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, first down, Henry gets another chance, a three-yard run here. Uh, got a little bit of uh, bullying action. Uh, by the left tackle 72 and the left guard 76. That's Questenberry and Saffold. Uh, 93 did, uh, let me make sure I had this right. Uh, he pushed Swaim into the ball carrier. So he got a little bit of pinning action between Williams and Campbell that helped limit the gain to three yards. And I guess it's always a pretty good thing when you can hold Henry to a three-yard gain on first down. All right, we move on. Second and seven. Uh, Tannehill goes to number 15. I have to get this right who it is. That's the, the guy with West Side Erskine or whatever his name is. Yeah, Westbrook Erkine. Ur- Ur- I don't know. <laughs> Westbrook Ekine. Okay, let's go with that. All right, so uh, uh, a 15-yard – sorry, 12-yard play, nine plus three between the hash and the, and the left numbers. Uh, he was lost off the press by 44. 32 came up and made the tackle, so – uh, Elliot on the play, uh, uh, making sure that things got cleaned up without a lot of yak, but it was a loss by Humphrey on the cut there. 12 yards. Okay. Again, just revisiting my feelings. <laughs> like I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervous after that 18 yard play plus the tacked on 15 yards. And now they give up this 12 yarder. Um, I, I was, I, it was just, I was nervous, but a deja vu coming. The 18 and the 12 yard play, by the way, the two longest plays the entire second half. So they didn't have any other plays longer than 10 yards. Just looking at my uh, my defensive score sheet here. So uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good to obviously be be holding them down like this. Anyway, it sets up with uh, 136 remaining. Let's see, a first and goal at the 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, base defense is in. Uh, we had an interesting play here, and Gakwe is in on first and 10, but Questenberry whiffed on him. So something Ngakwe can do is give a little bit of quickness to that, to that left tackle and make him miss. But it was really Wolf who created that left edge on the inside that turned Saffold to hold that. And uh, you know, Henry was, was forced to run middle for two. Uh, and that was a who, who made the tackle here? Ninety-eight and ninety-five. Sure. Williams. Sure, yeah. just another wall, another wall for Henry to to run into. They made a nice note on TV about how often they'd converted goal to go situations. I think it was seventy-five percent for the year. So you got a sense of just 
you know, this was an uphill struggle probably for the Ravens, even from the 10-yard line, which is going to be the most difficult of goal-to-go situations you would figure. Nickel defense comes in on second and eight. Uh, just a regular four-man pass rush. Uh, but Williams bowled the right guard Davis for pressure, and Tannehill threw a three-yard pass to Brown. And that was just one plus two. Very quick tackle by Queen. One yeah, of I was, really nice I was happy with Queen. I was happy with Queen on this one. He came in and made a nice hard tackle on A.J. Brown. And you'll recall last time A.J. Brown was breaking tackles uh, on his way into the end zone to help come from behind to, to beat the Ravens. And so um, tackling was clearly an emphasis. And there weren't – I don't recall anything, Ken, do you? Any, like, missed tackles that were – any, I didn't. I didn't recall any egregious ones like like there were were before. And so uh, this this team was not worn down by the time we were getting to the end. So I, I thought Queen did a great job getting there quickly and bringing him down just for a quick three yard gain to it for a pass to Brown. All right, we had one by Queen, one by Harrison. I think there was one by Peters as well. Was all I really marked for. So okay. it was, it's not bad. Um, I, I agree. That's that's not bad for an entire game against you know. Obviously, a very physical team that has both physical receivers in terms of Jonu Smith and and uh, and Brown, but also has you know obviously the most physical running back of them all. So you really really expect to have pile up some missed tackles in a game like this. Third and goal, we have one of the really great plays of the year by a player we don't talk enough about, but was a much bigger part of rebuilding the Ravens' defense last year. So on third and five, um, great stunt by mm-hmm. Queen put pressure on the quarterback he went very quickly through the right c gap after he lined up in the middle of the line of scrimmage uh Tannehill had to unload for Henry very quickly by the right sideline he caught it six yards behind the line of scrimmage so he's all the way back at I'm not sure exactly what yard line that would have been but uh maybe about the 12 or something and LJ Fort streaked up to make the tackle for a loss of two this is a massive massive play again the the Titans are driving they are coming down to uh, threaten to tie it up. And they are just moving, 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 as you said, two of the biggest plays of the half. And so, uh, great. Love to see Queen, Queen come in there. I mean, both he and Yannick got in there. Both he and Yannick got in there. And so it was just a massive play to get that. And then minus two yards in that situation when the Titans are so good, like you said, in the, in the, in, in the red zone there. So, Yeah, and, and they, they kicked the field goal here. Did you have any question about whether or not they should have gone for a touchdown here? Did you think, yeah, it's still early enough uh, with a couple of drives left, still in Q3 there, that this is not a touchdown or bust drive? Well, I definitely questioned their their decision-making later on. This one, I could I, I saw where they were coming. Like you said, it wasn't um, – I mean, in hindsight, in hindsight, of course. It's like you saw that you, you lost the game. You had a chance to maybe – Tie it up. Where are they? What what yard line are they on here? I'll get this right for you because I don't want to mess it up. And they were at the five yard line after five the play. Five yard line. Five yard line. I mean, I could see Harbaugh going for it, but but he's an aggressive coach. And he's got I Lamar Jackson. <laughs> he's got Lamar Jackson. Uh, they were moving the ball on this. I mean. I mean, whatever. I'm glad they didn't do it, but I could I could see it going either way. But I do I'm think sorry. there's a- I'm wrong anyway. The ball was at the seven because they lost two yards from third and five. So fourth and seven it was. Fourth and seven. At the seven. I'm I'm kicking that field goal. All right. I, I yeah. agree with you. I think I, I, I think the 
truly egregious decision came on the next drive. Yes. So let's get yeah. right to that. Right to that. Uh, so uh, they start with Henry, right guard, no gain. Uh, Matthew Judon uh, pushed Swaim into 22, a really a, a man up play, but he that's a big tight end. He pushed him right into uh, Henry to tackle him for no gain. Well, and just to give some context on this drive, this is right after Justin Tucker missed his 52 yarder. Mm-hmm. Um, which we don't say about often. And so concerned, very concerned. You're, you really need the defense to step up here time and time again, by the way, from the last drive to where they stopped them at third and five, third and five from the five yard line, they're able to get that stop. And now we're here after a 52 yard miss. This is a massive stop. And then obviously we know how the game ends and we'll get to that. But Judon steeled the edge nicely on this play, forcing Henry to go back inside. There was just nowhere for him to go. Yeah, no, nowhere for him to go. And and he didn't even have to get off his block from Swaim. He just threw Swaim into Henry. And mm-hmm. he was he's credited with the tackle. So nobody else knocked him down. It was that. that, well, he, that yeah, that, he ended that up still around. getting in there to get it because once he sealed the edge, Henry had to go back inside, but then there was nowhere to go there. So he's just like sitting there and then Judon's able to come back in and get him. All right. So uh, 1133, second and 10 play. The ball's out quickly on this one to, to Brown for a two plus eight play. So unfortunately they, they, uh, they lost an opportunity to uh, get into a nice third and favorable situation with a 10 yard first down play here. Or uh, Fort was outmatched in coverage against Brown here. Yeah. <laughs> he just was like, he, he looks like uh, a, like a kid just trying to like keep up with Brown and trying to keep up with him in coverage. And so, by the time Brown had caught it, he was so his body was already flailing all around, barely had a fistful of a jersey, and it wasn't enough to to stop to stop Brown. So luckily, Peters of all people, you know, the you know everybody makes fun of him for tackling. He comes in and helps out Fort and brings and brings uh, a, a big wide receiver AJ Brown down. Yeah, one of the things we've noticing in recent weeks from Peters is how willing he is to be really physical. I mean, yeah. come off the edge and run blitzes to to do things that that are just very unusual for him. But you know, he's, he is a player the Ravens need to be very careful with, and they could easily be telling him, "Don't be physical." But I've, I've been it has been a different level of selective physicality that we've seen from Peters in these last few weeks. I, I've been very impressed. But I agree. This could have been called a missed tackle by Fort. That's the way I had it in my notes here. Um, definitely a, uh, a a case where he got outmaneuvered at the point of the catch with a quick twisty move from from Brown. First down comes up. Uh, we had a few things happen on this play. Yes, this is the play. Henry's longest run of the day, an eight yard run. This could have gone massively wrong, but. Wolf makes about as athletic a play as you'll ever see, getting off the block from Questenberry, twisting back to make a tackle on Henry that looked like it was headed for the open field. Now, he would have had to beat Clark and one other player that's over there, but those, you know, with Henry are missed tackles waiting to happen, stiff arms waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. You can't let Henry go there and and potentially make a big game that's going to put that four-point lead in jeopardy. How wonderful is it, though, Ken, that – we're sitting here talking today and saying that an eight yard run is the longest yeah. of the day for Derek Henry. My goodness. What does that say about this Ravens defense? And I will like Derek Wolf. I don't, he like, he may have saved the day. Could you imagine? I mean, there is Chuck Clark back there and I'm sure I'm pretty sure Chuck would have, would have caught up to him. But like you said, how, how about deja vu of, 
of of Derrick Henry stiff arming Earl Thomas not once but twice. Like I, I don't think that would have happened to Clark, but maybe not a double stiff arm, but maybe one. I, I mean, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, we're looking at Tuck coming off of a Tucker missed field goal. The 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 Titans could have taken the lead on this play right here. Derek Wolf, I think, saved the day. Right, he he did. It was it was one of the really big tackles of the day. It took the ball down to the forty, and all the results are not binary. He didn't have to get into the end zone if he'd gained another twenty. Right, that's pretty terrible. You know, so it could have been think- just a gut punch. It could have been momentum. I mean, they had they had fans in the in there, and it could have been like, oh my gosh, are we going to give? Is the defense going going to give it up again? Like it, it could have been massive. Like you said, it, great way to say it. it doesn't have to be binary, whether it was a touchdown or just a gut punching momentum changer. Well, uh, thank you, Derek. Right. Wolf. That was his longest run of the day. And I guess we better mention it now, or there's another point where it could be good to mention it later too, is that Henry did not have a single first down rushing the entire game. Zero. The only rushing first down they had was Tannehill's quarterback sneak. So uh, unbelievable day of stopping uh, Henry, if you really think about what it takes to do that, you can't really ever give up a 10-yard run. I mean, you could possibly if it's on second and 20 or something, but it's very unlikely that you can ever give up a 10-yard run. I, I, it's know. it's still astounding to me. that he. I think he got a first down, but it was receiving. I think that was his only one. But, if I mean, you tell me the next day that, that Derrick Henry doesn't get one single rushing first down. How many third and ones, third and twos, like so many times – uh, it, they they just the, de- the defense came through time and time again on those third downs. Yeah, they they certainly had several of those opportunities and did not make it work, including one where he had the shoe problem on the sideline. Anyway, let's keep going. Ten thirteen, second and two play, ample time and space. Tannehill unloads deep left, and this is one where I'm always concerned whenever I see a quarterback deliver the football with this much time that it's probably a pretty good opportunity. But it went about 23 yards down the left sideline, out of bounds, overthrown pretty significantly. Part of the reason for that was a nice overlapping coverage circle of Marlon Humphrey. Humphrey. (laughs) Marlon Humphrey. Again, again, I feel like that, that second drive made everybody think that Humphrey had a bad game. But uh, overall, I felt like he he really did have a great a great game, and this is another one of those where he was just lock lock and step in lockstep with Brown all the way through. Again, he was overthrown, but you you have to give Humphrey for not letting you know Brown run free. He was so physical with him there. Yeah, I mean, and part of it is he's showing that coverage circle to Tannehill. So Tannehill overthrows that play in part because he can't throw it to safely to Brown otherwise. And so he has to either try and make a perfect throw or just to, or just allow the, the the throw to be out of bounds. And and it might have been a little bit of both. So anyway, right. it's a, it's, a, it's obviously a case where Humphrey's coverage was very significant in where the throw went. I always I always like to point that out to people. Sorry if I'm doing that to you. <laughs> uh, third and two comes up anyway. Ravens are in the nickel defense. They're not even in the base defense, but they're in the nickel defense. Uh, Tannehill incomplete short left to Jonu Smith. And huge hit by Deshaun Elliott coming up to knock a ball free that is in his hands. Probably shouldn't have been dropped anyway, but it looks like he hit him right on the funny bone. Oh, this is why you love Deshaun Elliott. This is why you love the Joker. It's right here. I thought this was a sure conversion. It seemed to me that, I mean, the ball was on the money. It was in Johnny Smith's hands. And then Deshaun just, like, delivers a massive, massive hit. I mean, this is a 250-pound tight end. 
This is a two. This isn't like Marquise Brown. Okay, this isn't like you know what I mean. This is a two hundred and fifty pound tight end, and and Deshaun Elliott just comes screaming downhill and lays a massive hit. This is third and two. This is, I mean, again, and this again, I'm bringing, I keep bringing up Earl Thomas. People are like, why do you cut Earl Thomas? This is going to kill you. You need that experience. And here we are in the playoffs, and it's Deshaun Elliott who took over for Earl Thomas, who makes just a massive play to 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 stop the the conversion that the Tennessee just needed to have. What Joker, Joker, and his physicality. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I even think they've told him to be less physical, particularly against the run, the, le- the second half of the season. The Ravens have had not had any backups at safety, by the way, and they have <laughs> amazingly got through it with nobody else who can play safety. They cut Gilchrist. He, they were using him at least for dime snaps early in the year. Jimmy Smith is in no condition to play safety at this point in terms of all the injuries no. he's got. So, so it, they don't have anyone. If they're, it's, it'll be Jordan Richards will be the next man up. What about uh, Jerome Curse now? Well, he's he's the guy that he wasn't active for this game. I was thinking he would be, and they'd bring him in. I meant to really say that earlier when that when we talked about the dime and that being a possibility, and I think it will yeah. be uh, come in the coming weeks. Yes. is that J. Ron Curse would be a natural guy to activate. But they yeah. had twenty four defensive players active for this game. They didn't really have room to have a twenty fifth. No, and no. Uh, and do that. So anyway, uh, the huge play there brings up fourth and two now. This is one of the most – this isn't just an analytics question. This is a, win, a straight win probability question. Horrible, horrible win probability decision on Vrabel's part not to go for it on fourth and two here. Terrible. Very small gain to be had in terms of the punt. If you think about this, this is the Tennessee Titans. What are the Tennessee Titans? What's their identity this year? First of all, they can get two yards whenever they need it pretty much with, with Henry. Now, not talking yeah. about today. Obviously, they've had trouble with that. Yeah. But they're also the Tennessee Titans who have some offensive weapons. And then they're also the Tennessee Titans on defense who have almost no weapons <laughs> and, <laughs> and are going to have a lot of trouble stopping the Ravens on a drive that they would start even deep in their own end. There's 10 minutes to go. I, I thought it was fairly unforgivable. I thought one of the most cowardly uh, punts of the entire season. Uh, and there was, I, 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 yeah, I just, I just don't understand it. Like, and, and I don't even care that you, you have the context of this game where Derrick Henry isn't getting a lot, but is it this drive where he gets? Is it this drive where he got his longest? Yeah, he got an, He got a. So it's see. this drive that he got the eight yard. So he just got his <laughs> longest rush in the game, and um, I have a, a little girl that just snuck down from her room and is now underneath my desk. But let me, but at least she's quiet, so I'll keep talking. Okay. Um, so so uh, okay. I lost my train of thought here. Oh, so so. I don't yards. care. I don't care that that he's that Henry's been shut down for most of this game. I don't care. Like you can live with that. Like if the Ravens, I'm betting on my players. And if it's not to to Henry, then fine. Do something to AJ Brown. Do do something. Do something. And you live with it. If the if the Ravens stop you, you live with that. How do you live with it that you didn't even try? That you didn't even no, try. I- I, I don't get any of it because I think you know with the Ravens, a lot of their value on offense is going to be the possession has more value than the starting line of scrimmage. So the possession is is of greater value, particularly in this game against. I thought that you know the possessions would be extraordinarily valuable, and that that there would be a lot of 
risks taken on fourth down that would reflect that. This is exactly the opposite. This is this just goes in completely the wrong direction. Well, and I listened to Vrabel again. I listened to his um, presser afterwards, and the reporters asked him, and I just don't feel like he gave a great answer. He just said that um, the way his defense was playing, he trusted them to get a stop. And I mean, it just wasn't a great answer. It, it just, it's, and the reason why it's, there was no great answer or he didn't give a good answer because there is no there good answer. One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There one. All right. Well, great. Let's go. Let's continue on. Take the Ravens drive here starts at 10 minutes. They hold the ball again for another six minutes driving up the field. By the way, that's another advantage to not great field position. They start at the 15 yard line. They, it, a drive takes longer. <laughs> to go and they right. drove all the way to the Tennessee 33 uh you know maybe it would have been similar from a from a, a, a point nearer like the 40 uh but anyway they drove to the 33 eventually Tucker uh made amends for the last field goal miss with a 33 yard play I was still worried at this point from the stands because I'm thinking boy we've we've opened the door for them had all kinds of opportunities including that fourth and two play which was complete to Dobbins the the Mickey Mouse offensive pass interference call on Snead you know, brings it back Ugh. and they have to kick that field goal. Yep. Yep. They, the refs, okay. Either the refs spotted them the, the, the seven points to, to AJ Brown, or they robbed the Ravens of a crucial fourth and two and made them settle for the field goal. All right. We come up for the ultimate Tennessee drive of the game begins at four nineteen. This is a game where at 419, one of the things I don't like about it is that Tennessee has the ability to use both their run and pass game, still the ability to use play action to move down the field. In fact, they'd they'd have been very smart to do it because you don't want to score too quick. This is definitely a situation where you do not want to tie the game quickly. And very first play goes to Henry, uh, a pass, short middle for six yards. Tyus Bowser made the tackle on this one. Nice four plus two. Again, we're seeing those uh, low yak numbers. Yeah, I mean, Tyus Bowser there uh, gets the tackle. Not much to say here. All right, fair enough. I bring bring your picture up because we have a code that we're supposed to go by, though. Sorry about that. (laughs) Second and four, Henry runs up the middle for three yards. A a crowded line, 90 feet and 95 and 93 slip off their blocks for the tackle. I didn't have a lot to say about this as a run play, but but it's nice that, again, they brought him up short, brought up that third and one play. Well, this is all I was thinking is, remember last week we got the question on here from – was it on this? It was here, right? I can't remember. I, I did a few shows last week. It was this show where somebody said, does Campbell and Williams make that big of a difference? Was that with you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is the moment that it does. Okay. This is what the Ravens rebuilt their front seven for is this moment. Okay. You're, you're in the fourth quarter. You're up by seven. By this time, usually Derrick Henry is wearing you down. That's usually the formula. A lot of the times... And then in the last game, regular season, the Ravens held them for three and a half quarters, I think, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter. These guys are still so fresh that you've got mm-hmm. Campbell and Williams and Matabike and Ellis and Wolf and Ward. They're all, you know, they're all just rotating through. And here we are in the fourth quarter where the Titans are used to wearing people down and we don't have much to say. We don't have much to say that in this moment, it's just like another ho-hum. We stopped Henry for three yards in the fourth quarter. Are you kidding me? No, yes, these guys make a difference. This is massive. So the big difference from the last game, of course, was the Ravens only activated four defensive linemen in that game in Baltimore. They lost 30-24. And they did it because that's really all they had. They had Aaron Crawford they could have brought up, but they only activated four. And it wasn't guys who had played a lot of snaps because they were without Campbell and Williams who were big snap 
players. Right. So, you know, this this game, they had their top five guys, the most heavily rotatable guys in terms of getting lots of plays. They did play mostly base. And when you think about every base play, you're using three defensive linemen. But they also played a lot of nickel in this game, which has only two defensive linemen. So they did a good job of of uh, not using the maximum number of defensive linemen per play. And Wink is just a, a terrific snap manager to keep them all kind of fresh at this point in the game. I'm in agreement with you. It just We should not be taking any three-yard gain by Henry. Uh, for granted. For granted. And, and, and this set up third and one with 3.11 to play. Uh, we had Williams completely drive back Ben Jones to blow up the play. Uh, Ward beat the tight end on the right side, inside, and he actually made the tackle for no gain on Henry. That set up a fourth and one play. Anything to say about that one in particular? Well, just again, third and one. Third and one in the fourth quarter, and there's no gain. Hello. Anyway, that was Brandon Williams. And Brandon, boy, if you ever thought that he didn't matter to the run game, I hope you got your lesson this year because it's it's mattered completely that he's been in there. Even though he's not making the tackles, like on this play, he makes big plays to set up other people in that game. Massive. Fourth and one, uh, Tannehill goes with a QB sneak. It looked to me like the Ravens did not line up properly. On this play, they did not have both sides of the center covered. And normally what you do is the first thing you do when you set up for a fourth and one play is to have your two biggest interior linemen each line up in the A-gap, each take one shoulder of the center to take away that quarterback sneak. Well, there was nobody over Ben Jones' right shoulder, and that's, of course, right where the play went for an easy two yards for Tannehill to convert. Do you think that's on wink, or were the guys just not lined up right? Uh, you know, they could have called timeout if he, if he would have seen that they weren't in the a gap, it might be actually difficult to identify that from the sideline. I really don't know, gotcha. but it wouldn't be ide- difficult to identify it from the box. And somebody right. on the headset could have told him, wait, they're not lined up properly. Call timeout. Right. Uh, it would have been a good, I think it would have been a good choice to do it if they'd have noticed it was, it was done that way. But, uh, the overhead shot that they showed after the play was very clearly that they, they didn't have both one text covered. So, uh, anyway, that gave him the first down. Uh, they had one more play before the two-minute warning. That was at 210. They went a pass short right to Westbrook Akeen again for five yards. Marcus Peters making the tackle there. Nice, safe inbounds tackle in front of him. Ball, The ball came out lightning quick, lightning quick on here. Uh, and I thought Peters, yeah, Peters had a nice tackle. So uh, he gets the nice tackle. The last two the last two plays were pretty good for Peters. The next a, one's even better. <laughs> that's a really good use of physicality there because – he needs to keep that guy in bounds, or it's probably a good option to keep that guy in bounds, let's put it that way. Um, and and by coming up and making this hard tackle as opposed to the push out of bounds, he's used his physicality. Because well that, that, that made him take it to the two-minute warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so rather than getting another play in before the two-minute warning. Right, exactly. Uh, so, so two minutes remaining, we're back from the timeout. And uh, second and five, let's, let me see if there's any pressure on this play. We do want to set this up properly at being what it is. Nope, ball out quickly. Uh, a lot of things going on on this play that Tennessee fans did not like. But Khalif Raymond is the target, first of all. And he's between the numbers and right hash. And uh, there were a lot of arguments from the Tennessee fans after the game that why the hell are we targeting him? when Brown was in single coverage on the left side. Why not throw it up for him anyway? And remember, this is second and five. It's not third and 10 or fourth right. and seven or anything. This is They have multiple chances to get this right, but throws to Khalif Raymond in the middle of the field. What did you see on the play? Well, I'm trying to remember back because uh, I guess there's a few things. Just to your point that you brought up about why they didn't go to A.J. Brown, I need to go back and watch it, but I'm 
I can't remember who the color analyst was, um, but he was saying, I saw them setting this play up. He saw, he felt like they were setting it up for, for a couple of plays. Like he's like, yeah. Oh, I totally saw this one coming. So, um, so, so maybe that answers a little bit. I don't know your question about AJ Brown, but it was clearly something they were working toward, but they didn't have, I guess they would have had Corey Davis in that situation. Um, but he was on the sideline. Right. Uh, I, did he get injured? Yeah, he, he got hurt. He was targeted twice, but but didn't have any catches. And, right. and he was he was hurt at some point in this game and wasn't available. But I think what they were talking about was trying to get a double move on Peters where Peters would bite on interception and then oh. you know allow somebody to do a stop and go kind of route. Th- that wasn't what this was. This was Peters who had the over-the-top coverage. You know, how Tannehill explained it in his postgame interview was he thought he had a direct line. He did not think the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage, which would have negated any pass interference risk. And he thought he saw his guy go down. He was very surprised that it happened, but he didn't have any other any other things. If you look at the at the uh, broadcast reviews and I think at the All-22 review as well, you you won't find there's any obvious uh, push off from Peters to push no. him down. It looks like he made it maybe connected knee to knee with the receiver. Like- and I... I yeah, it just looked to me that like he was Raymond was had his head turned. I feel like he was anticipating the ball a little bit sooner because his head was turned for a while, and then it looks like Peters is all is watching though is also watching the quarterback. So like he sees the ball cut and like Raymond just runs into him. Like Peters didn't mm-hmm. do anything to him. He was just trying to go to where he anticipated the ball was going to be, and and Raymond fell when he made contact with his head backwards. So. Um, yeah, there was, uh, there, uh, to me that like there was contact, but there was no way you could call anything on Peters in that play. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be a very unusual call. And I agree. I, I think it was, I think if you look at it, it's actually in the legs that the first contact occurs and that's where he might've stepped on his foot, but it, it looks like it's more like knee to knee contact that caused Raymond to, you know, flinch and go down. Then of course, Peters is right on the ball. Wasn't real happy. I, I'm okay with the penalty, actually. I, I wasn't really okay at the time. I was kind of pissed off about it. But what I wasn't happy about is with him carrying the ball way out wide while uh, Raymond is trying to chase him down for the tackle. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think I paid as much attention to that because I was paying attention to the the logo stomping. And, um, you know, I talked about this quite a bit with, with Kadri Ismail yesterday. I'm usually a... Um, just like be as classy as you can um, beat them with the scoreboard, which the Ravens did and like, let your play do all the talking, like get your hard hits in, get all that between the whistle, you know, between the whistles. And so on this one though, like it just was, it's just the accumulation. Sometimes you just have to like show more edge. You just have to show more edge. And, and like, and this defense who has been, who has given up plenty of fourth quarter leads uh, or at least did earlier um, this season. Um, I, like, and I, and I said this, I use this analogy again, this is me always trying to trying to, to keep it classy, which, which is totally Lamar Jackson's brand, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got Malcolm Butler flipping off Lamar Jackson in the middle of the game. You got Malcolm Brother, Mal- Malcolm Butler the game before screaming at John Harbaugh when he met everybody in the middle of the field with the logo, um, and they did it the the playoff game before. They know what they're doing. When you ask them about it, they play innocent and they're like, "What? We're just standing there. We're just meeting on the lo-. like you oh, know yeah. what you're doing." <laughs> there's been there's been logo pettiness has preceded the Titans. This isn't a new thing. Terrell Owens when he goes to the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys yeah. like 
it's Baker Mayfield when he plants the the Oklahoma flag in the middle of the logo at, in the middle of OSU's field. Like this is this has been going on forever. Let's not play like oh we're just happened to be standing on this part of the field. No, we, you, let's let's don't treat us like we're idiots. You know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. Okay, so the Ravens had been had been playing the higher ground. They didn't say anything all week. They weren't feeding into it. And this is what I this is this is the analogy I used yesterday when I teach my kids. I teach my sons not to hit a woman, right? You don't hit your sister. That's good. <laughs> okay? That's a normal thing. But then I teach her. I don't teach her, hey, do whatever you want to the boys because they're not allowed to hit you. What I teach her is a different thing than I teach my boys. I teach her, if you hit somebody, whether it's a man or, a, or if it's a boy or a girl, these are, these are not grown children, okay? Mm -hmm. I'd like it. But if you hit somebody, expect to be hit back. Mm-hmm. I don't teach my boys that. I don't teach my boys to hit the girl back, but I teach the girl, if you hit somebody, expect it to be hit back because that's just sometimes a natural reflex, right? Mm -hmm. Or even if it's not. At this point, the Titans keep hitting you. You got to hit back or they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep playing this petty game. And this is a violent game. Football is a violent game. And so the defense, I'm glad they showed an edge in that moment. The whole group did. I don't have a problem with what they did, even though I usually preach they had been they had been playing the higher road. At this point, you got to hit back. I, I didn't have a problem with it from that perspective. I wasn't happy about the yardage loss with the time remaining, yada yada yada. But but I'll tell you what, the nice thing about this is the the Orioles have had several very bad blood relationships with teams. It's not the teams you would necessarily think in the same division. It's not the Yankees. It's been the White Sox and the Mariners over mm -hmm. Orioles history since I've been a fan for 50 years. Uh, and, and those two teams, it was the White Sox for about 15 years. And then ever since they piled on Mike Messina the one time, it, it was Seattle. And there's just incident after incident of this type. The nice thing about this, about having an incident with the Tennessee Titans is they don't play the Titans every year. They right. will probably average less than one game against the Titans, even the tight if the Titans are consistently good. It's not like the Patriots and Colts who are always going to win their divisions and they right. play one time every year automatically and then they probably play again in the playoffs. It's going to happen less than once per year. And so they're going to have a chance to forget this, whereas if it were the Steelers or the Browns and they play them twice every year, plus possibly another time in the playoffs, then you got a chance for something really ugly to develop out of this. They'll forget it. You know, there's, the, the, the Ravens and Titans do have a long playoff history. It's very funny. You go down and talk to the Titans fans. They look at this game and say, that, you know, they're the eternal, there are our, our eternal rivals. Well, you're not our eternal rivals. Yeah, you know? we have not. Our eternal rivals are the Steelers. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and, and the Browns, I think, think of both Pittsburgh and Baltimore in that same way. They, they yeah. certainly hate us the most, I think. They probably respect and dislike the Steelers the second most and, and, and value that rivalry higher. But uh, anyway, it's... Uh, but, but I will also say I kind of... Like, there's something to having this off, like off the field, like rivalry that I, that I love. You know what I mean? It comes, it goes back to the old school Ravens. And when you had it with the, the Patriots and the Steelers and like, there is something to it. So I don't want to make it like too serious, this whole logo stuff. Like it's not too serious. And, and, and so it's just, to me, it just kind of adds to the fun. And I kind of like, I kind of like the, 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 the passion between the two teams against each other. All right. It's just so much fun doing this with you, Sarah. And I appreciate you doing this format where we could roll through it and dealing with some of my ineffectiveness at getting my notes together accurately in terms of lining up the plays where they weren't, including the one play where Harrison should have had the pick six, I thought. But anyway, 
Thank you for doing this with me in this manner. I, I, I thought this was a great format for us in particular, because I know the way you take notes is similar to what we do. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun, fun to kind of change it up. And uh, hopefully the, the big, um, you know, f- film watchers out there, you know, enjoy this format. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, Sarah, what, what else do you have? Where are you appearing? How should people follow you on Twitter? All the normal stuff. Yeah, just just follow me at Twitter at SG Ellison, uh, constantly giving, uh, you know, updates and opinions there. And then also do the post-game analysis with Kadri Ismail, uh, usually just a little bit off after the uh, the pressers. All right. Outstanding stuff here. Highly recommend the show with Q. Uh, a lot of fun. And Sarah does a great job with that, as you know she would. Anyway, other information on information coming up on uh, filmstudybaltimore.com this week. We'll have uh, the defensive pod you're listening to now. The offensive pod will be out the day after tomorrow because tomorrow we'll have the Know Your Faux pod a day early uh, with the Bills expert Drew Geyer. So we're looking forward to that one. He's a fun guy, very loud, sets all sorts of records for on-air beer drinking. They have a little record they keep of all the beers they drink on air. And I, I see him. He's, he's on the other side of a you know video call with me, and he's actually you know, <laughs> the whole time. So it's kind of funny to watch. Anyway, thanks very much for joining us. Sarah, again, just always a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.